music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. You know her work from Saddle Creek Records' critically acclaimed duo Azure Ray, and from her other projects including Art in Manila and O Plus S. Singer-songwriter Arenda Fink doesn't sit still long. Back with her third solo effort, Blue Dream, she isn't afraid to push the envelope. Whether it's examining traditional Haitian rituals and mysticism, or examining the Southern Gothic subconscious, or in the case of Blue Dream, reflecting on the meaning of life and death after losing her dog of 16 years, she breathes life into the eternal question of love, loss, and longing for yesterday. Meet Orinda Fink Her music's gonna take you on a journey farther than you'll think Welcome to the show, Arinda. Thank you. Wow, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Great to have you with us today. Now, Dreams had a lot to do with this album. And, you know, even the production feels like walking through a dream. So, first of all, you have to talk about your dog, Wilson, and then talk about the dreams that became this album. Okay, so Wilson, he was a little character. I got him when I was 21, okay. and, and then I lost him when I was 37. Mm-hmm. So, you know... It's a long time. Yeah, it's always a long time. It was really difficult. And, and we were like, we had one of those like very codependent pets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to make it even worse. Yeah. I loved that dog, and that dog loved me, and everyone that knew me. Oh, they almost said like Arinda and Wilson when they said Arinda and Todd. Oh, you know, okay. That's, like, that's Todd's my husband. <laughs> right, right. What you kind know, of dog I, was Wilson? He was a Chihuahua Terrier mix. Okay. Okay. So he's the kind yeah. you could carry around? Yeah, okay. yeah. He, well, he was a little fat, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't carry him that for that long. <laughs> yeah. He probably saw you through a lot of ups and downs, really. He did, and that's the thing. You know, I think he was kind of the constant in my life, and you guys know, being a musician, um, yeah. how things are so crazy all the time, mm-hmm. so crazy different. So, yeah, he was kind of that rock for me yeah. uh, during all And loved years. you no matter what. Yes, exactly. You know, you know, animals are great providers of unconditional love on top yeah. of that. So then after he passed away, you started having dreams. I did. Um, I went through actually a, a period of, of pretty deep depression right after he passed away. And, you know, I think that it did something to me that I wasn't expecting, which uh-huh. kind of sent me into this like sort of existential crisis almost, uh-huh. you know, where I was kind of questioning, you know, not just his death, but just death. In general. It's so final. Exactly. And I felt like when he died, you know, everyone was like, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna feel like he's in a better place, you know, or um, you're gonna see little Phantom Wilsons around the house and it was it just none of that happened that he yeah. was just gone. Uh-huh. And, empty. Um, it was an empty it, spot. Exactly. And it was deeply disturbing to me and kind of it really derailed me from life for quite uh-huh. a while. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine recommended this psychotherapist who specializes in grief counseling, okay. but also in union dream analysis. And it was when I started going to her that I started having dreams okay. about Wilson. Mm-hmm. Do you think like she unlocked something that allowed that to start happening? Yes, I yeah. absolutely do. Um, you know, in in fact, I think the subconscious mind is so powerful in those. I almost operate completely independently with, with a lot of knowledge that I started having the dreams the day I booked the appointment. 
um, <laughs> to almost as if like, okay, here's something for you to bring into your first appointment, you uh-huh. know. It's yeah. like making that call or making that appointment was the permission to let it kind of start flooding out in a way. Exactly. It was like, okay, you're going to have someone help you through this. And here's the stuff. Here's the heavy stuff that you need to work through. Right. You know, that kicked off about almost a year's worth of kind of psychotherapy and dream analysis. So would you keep um, a notepad by your bed and write down dreams that you had? Mm-hmm. Yep. My computer and my notepad. Just, and I was yeah having them... So many dreams per uh-huh. night. It was all encompassing for a few months. Uh-huh. So did you ever dream about Wilson or not? It's interesting. Like, there were phases of the dreams, you know, and, and they healed my grief. And, and Wilson was in a lot of them in the beginning. And okay, once okay. I kind of became healed from my grief, he started kind of fading out of the dreams. And they started taking a different nature. Okay. So it was almost like he felt you were okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there was one night, uh, you know, I felt like uh, I had this, this last dream about him that I had and, and I, and I felt in my heart, I was like, this will be the last one. And, um, and I woke up from it and I was just weeping and I just, I said, thank you, Wilson. (laughs) Well, you know, his final gift to you was kind of this album, really. Yeah, it, it's true. It is really true. It's like I, I look back at, um, you know, that time period and the years leading up to his death and, you know, that, that one kind of dark year. And, and then I look at the record and kind of where I am now. And it's just, um, it seems like a dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> I bet. The whole thing. Singer-songwriter Arinda Fink here on the Mulberry Lane Show talking about her latest album, Blue Dreams. And so some of these dreams became the songs. Is that right? They they heavily influence the song, okay. but they're not exactly you know like a dream okay. uh, turned into a song. Okay. Not like a dream sequence. It just inspired no. the songs. Yes. Now in your previous albums, you know you've explored rituals, mysticism, and literature, but this was more of an interior, personal journey. I mean, you weren't out you know looking at other people's beliefs. You were really looking inward at your own. So how did that even change the writing process for you? The, the writing was very emotional. The process was very emotional. I mean, I actually cried while I was writing mm-hmm. some of these songs. In that way, it was deeply personal, you mm-hmm. know, experience. And I didn't know that I was writing a record when I was writing. Okay. I was just writing because I hadn't been able to write mm-hmm. um, for almost a year. Wow. Before I kind of started getting in a better place, I felt that I had been irrevocably changed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not for the better. <laughs> um, you know, I felt like something in me had changed and it, and it had. And you couldn't get it back. Exactly. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get it back. Now, you also said, or I read, that you immersed yourself in other artists' music at this point that you started writing the album. So now, how does that process work for you? So I think you guys probably do this too. You know, you listen to music because it reflects your mood. You know, it reflects where you are, and so I think in that way, um, it kind of can become inspirational. You found an exterior thing that right. reflects how you feel, uh-huh. and then that kind of helps you find your interior and to move that dig out. Dig deeper. Yeah, tap in more to that mood. Now, talk about mm-hmm. recording this album, and who you worked with, and how you achieved the, the swooshy dreamscapes that are there. Um, I worked with uh, Ben Brodeen was the producer. He is an uh, Omaha producer. I uh, worked at ARC Studios. And then my husband, Todd Fink, co-produced it. Uh-huh. And then uh, Bill Rieflin, who was the drummer for Ministry, funnily enough, uh, was the drummer. Okay. 
and they were an amazing team. And um, we really did, you know, that was like my main thing that I said to everyone, like, it needs to sound like a dream. It needs to sound like a dream. Yeah. And I just you know, it's and one it. thing to say it, but it's another thing to achieve it. Because, you know, how do you know what a dream sounds like? And sonically. That's so funny because Ben said that to me one time. I was like, this doesn't sound like my dream. And he was like, I don't know what your dream sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, good point. And you're like, I'll know it when I hear it, right? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which was a little, I'm sure, very frustrating for them. But I think they did a great job. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then how did you know when it did hit that? You're like, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, well, exactly like you said. It was just, I knew it when I heard it. Okay, <laughs> And you got it, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Talking dreams, songwriting, and production here on the Mulberry Lane Show with Orinda Fink. We'll be right back with more from Orinda after this. Don't go anywhere. Here's a sample of Orinda's song, Ace of Cups, off her new album, Blue Dream. Desire is an open hand. 